0: Hey, good morning, Transit Family. Feel free to grab a seat. Grab a seat. Everyone doing all right this morning? Y'all doing good? And how about this fall weather? Can I get an amen? I see some flannel. Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you, Lord. Jackets. Yeah. Uh, well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians six. We're going to be in Ephesians six, eighteen through twenty. This is the second to last sermon in our sermon series uh, in Ephesians, and. The context of where we're at in Ephesians 6 is we've been talking about spiritual warfare. So for the last four Sundays, if you have not listened to all of the previous sermons on that topic, please listen to those sermons. Please email me if you want the handouts. Um, It's really important that if you did not get a chance to listen to those sermons, that you listen to them online. Um, And to recap what we've been looking at until we dive into uh, our text today, is this is the context of what the Apostle Paul is writing to the Ephesian believers. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, he says this to them. Near the end of his letter, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so we've been looking at the fact that we, as followers of Jesus, are in a war. And our enemy is not physical. Our enemy is spiritual. And that enemy wants to take us out. And the exhortation of Paul is is we don't have to get taken out. We can actually armor up. We can stand in God's strength and we can advance against the gates of hell and not have the devil crush us underneath his feet, but we can be crushing him underneath our feet because of what Christ has accomplished for us. And so today is kind of a downshift. It, it seems like where, you know, Paul's in this like braveheart speech uh, moment. You know, we're in a battle, ladies and gentlemen. You know, fierce soldiers, armor up. Here's a a shield. Here's a sword. Here's you know all these weapons of warfare. And now we're talking about prayer, we're talking about prayer, spiritual discipline. And for honest, often our view of prayer is, is we've really kind of pacified it. Um, you all know as well as I do, like the the birthday card obligation. Like somebody you know has a birthday coming up, and of course, if it's your spouse, you 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 know you get them what they want, right? But there's that obligation of like, hey, I know you, I kind of know you, I know your birthday's coming up, I know there's a party, so I'm going to go to Hallmark, and I'm going to buy like an $8 thing, and it's going to say something really sweet, and I'm not going to add anything to it, I'm just going to sign my name that I agree with what is on the card, I'm going to put it in an envelope and say, happy birthday. (laughs) I acknowledge that you were born on this day, you are valuable, and you know, I acknowledge you, right? And often, like it doesn't change anything, right? It's all, except your. You're, you know, you, you lost eight dollars, uh, but that person got a card. And my love language is not words of affirmation, as you see. Sorry if that. If you're like, anyways. Um, and often we treat prayer that way, of just a kind gesture, uh, an acknowledgement of God's existence before a meal. We know we're supposed to pray before a meal, so we just okay. What's the script uh, before bed? What's the script before a sermon? What's the script? Before service, you know, we we just kind of treat it as a formality that we know we're obligated to do this. But we don't really believe that in a prayer God has both the the power to change our present and our future circumstances, right? And in contrast to that view of prayer, of just kind of a a kind gesture to God and and just kind of getting that obligation out of the way so we can transitionally move to something else, Um, What we see scripture teach us is that God has given us the blood bought gift of prayer, not as an obligation, but as an invitation to call upon His name, His power, His promises, His presence to move on our behalf in order to give us His wisdom, His courage, His power to faithfully fulfill the mission He's entrusted to us. So that when we, the church, are quote unquote successful, all glory belongs to the one who provided us the means of victory. A prayerless church, a church that doesn't pray, believes that they actually don't need God's help to do what God has called them to do. They believe that God is weak. They are strong. Uh, we're going to just treat prayer as that, that, that transitional thing we do before we move from point A to, to point B. Uh, but a praying church understands that if they want to see heaven come, like we sang, if they want to the, see the kingdom of God come, that that they cannot do it without the king's help. They cannot do it without the king's resources. And hence, prayer. Prayer appropriating the power and the presence of God to fulfill, uh, help us fulfill what he's called us to do, advance the kingdom of God in love and in power. And the only way we'll stand firm in the battle is when we realize that we don't have to stand alone in the battle. Prayer is how we throw up the white flag of our weakness, and we ask for divine assistance, and that is how we, be str- that's how we can be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, is humility and through weakness, humbling ourselves and relying on the Lord. Book Shameless book plug, and then we will uh, read our text and dive in. Paul Miller, A Praying Life, is on the bookstore uh, table out there. And he says this, often, I don't want anyone to, um, sure, discipline is great. Uh, so, yes, after this uh, sermon, maybe get some great rhythms on your calendar to, to pray. Okay? But what Paul Miller says is is prayer is helplessness. The key to a better praying life is not more discipline, it's more desperation. It's realizing how desperate you truly are uh, and how much you you, you really need God to do what he's called you to do. And this is how we stand firm in the battle. This is how we stand firm uh, in the Lord's strength is by appropriating that strength and power in prayer. And so the three points, if you're taking notes of uh, our talk this morning, is this. We're going to be looking at the purpose of prayer the persistence of prayer, and the power of prayer. So let's, uh, verses, uh, our text will be on the screen, and so let's read our text, pray, and dive in. Starting at Ephesians Ephesians 6, 13a, to kind of give us context. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now it's giving to verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we love you. We come before you grateful, Lord Jesus. I ask Holy Spirit that you would move on our hearts today that you'd open up the eyes of our hearts to see you, Jesus, to see your worth, your value, your supremacy over all things. And would you, Holy Spirit, reveal our desperate need for you, God? Not in a condemning way, but in a way of inviting us to a life lived with with the divine in the face of God, in the presence of God. That we don't have to live life alone. We don't have to face suffering alone, our sorrows alone. You're with us our ever-present help in time of need, whether it's challenges at work, challenges at home, you're right there inviting us to call upon you for wisdom, for courage, for strength. And so would you draw us closer to you collectively and, and individually today, God? Would the invitation be, I'm here, I'm ready? Would you cry out to me? I want to invade every area of your life. You don't have to do this alone. And you can't. You can't. So have your way with your word and our hearts today, Holy Spirit, would Jesus be magnified. And pray this in your name. Amen. All right, the purpose of prayer. The first thing I want to hone in on is that the Apostle Paul is writing this letter in 62, around 62 AD, and he's writing this letter while he's imprisoned, and most likely he's awaiting execution. And um, as he is teaching on prayer, he's closing his his letter, his exhortation to the believers here. He's saying, pray at all times, make supplication. And what does Paul do is he he raises his hand and he says, hey, by the way, when I say make supplication for all the saints, I'm in in that. Pray for me. Pray for me. Now, if you were to put yourself in Paul's shoes as someone who in Acts 16 uh, got like a SEAL Team 6 angelic, You know, like uh, uh, prison break, jail break, right? If you're in, if you're in prison, and and you most likely, in Paul's mind, you're like, "Hey, execution is coming." Uh, My prayer would be, "Hey, Ephesian believers, pray that the Lord sends that SEAL Team Six squad of angels again to roll in a flashbang and you know take out a couple guards and get me out of here, evac me out of here, right?" And instead, what we see in verses 19 and 20 of our text is that the Apostle Paul doesn't pray to for escape he actually prays for effectiveness to fulfill the mission that god has entrusted to him that's bonkers right he prays for two things he prays for boldness he says would the lord give me boldness to share the gospel and when do you need boldness when you're tempted not to share the gospel right and then not only that he prays for words that the he says and and would you get with the lord give me words to speak now paul knew the gospel right what is that? Well, he's, he's saying, situationally, when I meet this guard or these people that are, are visiting, that the Holy Spirit will be, begin to fill my mouth with, with how uh, this person needs to know of God's love for them in Christ Jesus. He's not changing the message, but the delivery is going to be different for, for each individual. It's situational, right? And so he's praying for boldness, and he's praying for the words that the divine assistance to fulfill the divine mission to uh, share the glorious news of Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension, and reign over all things. And that's when you pray for words is when you honestly don't know what to say. You pray for boldness when you don't want to speak about Christ, and you pray for words when you don't honestly know what to say to that neighbor or that coworker in that conversation. And the reason I want to hone in first and foremost uh, on what Paul is praying for is this, and we're going we're gonna to camp out here because this, this changes everything, okay? Uh, because before we, we know, before we're going to talk about how we pray or, or what we pray or when we pray, we need to know why, why do we pray. And what we see with the Apostle Paul is that Paul's life purpose and mission changed the content of his prayers. Paul's life purpose changed how he prayed, that if until we know our life purpose, we won't really know the purpose of our prayers, meaning this. If Paul's single aim in life was comfort and security at all costs, he assuredly would not pray for strength to share the gospel because the whole reason he has been beaten and imprisoned and persecuted and slandered and shipwrecked and has suffered immensely is because he preached the gospel, is because he shared the gospel. And so if his single aim in life is comfort and security, he's only going to be praying prayers of escaping suffering. And not prayers for mission-critical resources to speak and to demonstrate God's love shown to us in Christ Jesus. Instead, what we learn in the New Testament is that Paul's single aim in his life was to, was to throw everything he had at the cause of Christ. Everything he had at the cause of Christ going to the ends of the earth. Therefore, Paul's prayers were mission-critical. His prayers were mission-critical. And tragically, we've often, uh, uh, I I lose this and we lose this mindset in uh, the church today about the cause of Christ because uh, our gospel just kind of stops short. The gospel of Jesus Christ is no longer a glorious cause, uh, an eternal cause, a cosmic cause that is worth giving your entire life for. It's essentially just a free pass to get your sins forgiven and then still live however you please until you get to heaven. And I was in college at the George Mason University. Um, yeah, you can laugh, i alright. sorry. Uh, uh, they, what they would do is all these restaurants would open up in Fairfax City, and people would be on campus, and they would have these coupons for a free meal to hungry, I mean, it's genius, to a hungry college student. Like, hey, free meal, then you, you, know, you put a hat on, you go back, you get another coupon, they don't recognize you, then you send your buddies, and you all get these free coupons <laughs> for, for that free meal. And often, that's kind of our gospel pitch, is we, you know, we get the thank you for the coupon, I said the prayer, and I'm just going to tuck that away for a little bit. I'm not going to change anything in my life. Nothing has to change. I just will cash this in at some future date, right? And that's it. Nothing changes except the fact that, you know, and I'm not, I'm not minimizing, um, you know, the gospel being the, the, the death of Christ on behalf of of, of sinners, but what, what, what Jesus is saying is that it's the gospel of the kingdom, that Jesus Christ is the, the king who came and, and laid it all down for us so that we could be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God and then be his ambassadors of that kingdom to go and put our king's love and his power and his glory on display to the ends of the earth. And in contrast to uh, you know, the gospel being a free coupon, Um, we see that Jesus and Paul talk about the cause of the gospel and the cause of the Christ being worth losing everything for. Look at Mark 9, 34 through 36. And Jesus calling the crowd to him with his disciples, Jesus said to them, if anyone, anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, which is an instrument of death, it's not a necklace, instrument of execution, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life, watch this, for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And then we see Paul in Philippians 3, 7 through 8, and Paul throughout his letters using this language. He says this, this is the Apostle Paul now, the author of the letter we're reading in Philippians. He says this, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss, watch this language, for the sake of Christ the cause of Christ, the, 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 the mission of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And here's a beautiful thing that we see is often we can focus on all the suffering, all the things we have to lose, but Paul mentions something so beautiful. He's saying that when you discover God shown to us in Christ Jesus, And you're restored into fellowship with him there is nothing that brings you more joy than fellowship with him there is nothing that brings you more joy than aligning your heart to his will there is nothing that brings you more joy than serving him and his purposes because he is the one of supreme value and that's the good news This is the great news. This is why Paul, it's like how in the world was the Apostle Paul able to continue to keep marching, to keep sharing the Gospels because Jesus was worth it. He's like, I have finally found what I'm looking for, who I'm looking for, that knowing God in Christ Jesus is better than anything else that this world can offer. So yeah, take it. You know, take my life. Uh, Take my freedom. I'm I'm jailed up. Take all my fun. Take take it all. I have Christ. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be more than all right the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's the only way you and I will be able to transcend uh, immense suffering and, and persecution is when our joy and our peace and our hope and our life itself is, is firmly in the hands of knowing God and making him known. That's where true life is found. And so this is what I'm, I'm getting at. And then I'm gonna share a John Piper quote that's gonna make us all wince. For the glory of god um simple question i want to ask you and i want to ask us today does the cause of christ shape our prayers does the cause of christ shape our praying life does the mission the great commission change our praying life if we were to take an audit of our praying life this past week how often have we prayed for boldness and words to share the gospel with those that don't know christ um, how often, if we were to audit our prayer life, have we made intercession, as Paul talks about, for other saints, that they would have boldness and that they would have words filled their mouths for, for conversations about Christ? How often have we done that? Or tragically, how often is our praying life not shaped by the cause of Christ, but by the cause of comfort? And this is what John Piper says I didn't write this. It's going to hurt, but it's going to heal us. It's going to be good. It hurt me when I read it <laughs> as well. So, this is what John Piper says. The number one reason why prayer malfunctions in the hands of a a believer is that they try to turn a wartime walkie-talkie into a domestic intercom. Until you believe that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. Prayer is for the accomplishment of a wartime mission. It is as though the field commander Jesus called in the troops, gave them a crucial mission, go and bear fruit, handed each of them a personal transmitter coded to the frequency of the general's headquarters, and said, comrades, the general has a mission for you. He aims to see it accomplished. And to that end, he has authorized me to give each of you personal access to and through these transmitters. If you stay true to his mission and seek his victory first, he will always be as close as your transmitter to give tactical advice and to send in air cover when you or your comrades need it. But what have millions of Christians done? They have stopped believing that we are in a war. There's no urgency, there's no watching, there's no vigilance, there's no strategic planning, just easy peacetime and prosperity. And what did they do with the walkie-talkie? This is where it hurts. They tried to rig it up as an intercom in their cushy houses and cabins and boats and cars, not to call in firepower for conflict with a mortal enemy, but to ask the maid to bring another pillow to the den. Yeah, that's what I said when I read that not to call in firepower for conflict with the mortal enemy, but to ask the maid to bring another pillow to the den. Now, I don't want to um, have any of you be hesitant in, in pursuing your heavenly father, who in Matthew 6 uh, says, uh, invites us to come to him as kids, and says, how much more if I clothe, clothe the lily of the fields, will I clothe you and your daily needs? I think one of the beautiful things about knowing God is, as, as he has revealed himself as Heavenly Father is that he loves to lavish gifts upon his kids. He loves to provide for us. And so we can pray for the things we need. We, we can pray if we're in sickness and, and suffering. We can pray that God would break in and, 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 and heal that it's according to his, his will. I don't want to put uh, uh, you know, uh, any, any, uh, any seatbelt on you guys asking God to come to him as a kid and, and with your requests. At the same time, I want to encourage us to look uh, under the preaching of the word and with the conviction of the spirit to look at what is shaping our prayers. And are we running to God and saying, God, um, you're not on the throne of my heart. The American dream is on the throne of my heart. And so therefore, God, I'm approaching you as servant, and I am Lord. And you exist. You, God, now exist to serve my needs. You now, God, I'm coming to you. You exist to make much of my name. You exist to make much of my kingdom. You exist to serve my will and my wishes. And so I'm gonna pray and you're gonna do that because I am Lord and God, you are the maid. And I have this intercom and that's how I'm going to do that. And in contrast to that, I think it's really imperative for us to keep the Lord's prayer ever in our minds and in our thoughts um, as we are praying. It's a great way to start a prayer, realigning our hearts to understand that it's his name, that is, worth, that is worth all the glory. It's his power. It's his, like we sang about today, okay? How often is the cause of Christ informing what we pray about? Is prayer to us a, a Hallmark card or a wartime walkie-talkie? And uh, here's the encouragement. We need to let us stop using prayer as a divine door dash and let's begin to wield the weapon of prayer as divine air support in the midst of a cosmic battle. And so that looks like in our praying life, we're, we're exhorted in verse 18, making supplication for all the saints. That I, in my praying life, not to, just, not to be just praying for myself, but also be praying for you. And that you, in, in your community groups, as you're spending time individually in your time with the Lord, ask the Spirit, Lord, who, who needs prayer right now? Who can I intercede uh, on behalf of? What do they need? How, how do you want me to pray? There's a great thing, too, that uh, we teach in our evangelism workshop. It's called the 10 by 10 by 10, where you make a list of 10 people in your immediate circle of influence that don't know Jesus. And for 10 minutes uh, each day, you pray for those 10 people that do not know Jesus. You can do it at 10 a.m. if you want. 10 a.m., 10 people for 10 minutes. And you just cry out and make intercession. And um, J.D. Greer has this line. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. If, if, um, if every person um, that you prayed uh, came, oh, how does the line go? Oh my gosh, I completely blanked on it. It's not in my notes. Uh, basically, what he was saying is, how many people today would come to know Jesus if God, in the last week, if God answered every prayer that you prayed for the lost to be found? How many people would be, would be saved? And so let's do that. Let's be about, let's let our life purpose, which is so great. And, and I'm gonna, I, I really wanna hone in on this before we talk about practical stuff, is uh, maybe one of the reasons our faith has grown stale and dormant um, is because we're, we're going to God to just give us the American dream. And I'll tell you what, if you want to see God add rocket fuel to your walk with him and fellowship with him, it's understanding, realigning your life purpose and understanding that I exist to lay down my life for the cause of the Christ and, and the cause of Christ and the cause of the gospel going to the ends of the earth. And so that true joy, which Jesus says, true life in Mark 9 is found in losing ourselves. Losing our will in God's will, losing our life purpose in God. That's actually where true joy and true fulfillment is found. And that's when we begin to see God really move in our midst. Three things we want to be about at the transit is biblically serious, spirit-empowered, and zealously missional. And so the Holy Spirit coming and empowering us, not just so that we can get our needs met, but so that we can see God um, by the Spirit for the glory of Jesus Christ minister to the broken and save the lost. So that's where we see the purpose of prayer. If we miss our purpose uh, of magnifying our king's name and advancing his kingdom, we'll miss the point and purpose of prayer. So let's be about our father's business in prayer. The second thing we see moving on is the persistence of prayer. In our text, Paul goes on an all rant. Four times in one verse, he uses the word all. Look at verse 18 praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And this is what he's getting at. If we were to ask Paul, what kind of prayers should we pray? Confession, repentance, thanksgiving, supplication. Paul says, all prayers of all kinds. If we were to ask, well, when is it appropriate to pray? In the morning, in church, while I'm preaching, in a conversation, before I go to bed, before a meal? All times, praying at all times. Well, Paul, who is it appropriate to pray for? If I don't know them, can I I pray for them? If they don't live like, like how? Who can I pray for? All the saints, okay? So when should I stop praying? Should I just ask God once for one thing? And Paul says, no, 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 no. You pray with all perseverance. Perseverance is this, a resolute determination to see something through to its, com- its conclusion. A resolute determination to see something through to its conclusion. That's how we are invited to pray. Jesus says, knock. You don't knock once and expect the door to be open. I got locked out of my house the other day. And uh, I was, man, I was, uh, Jen's phone was on silent or something, and I was just ringing that thing, and I'm just knocking, and I'm like, it was, you know, after work, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, come on, let me in. I want, I, there's something I want. Are you hearing this? Right? And you can maybe hear the footsteps, but you keep knocking until they open the door, right? (laughs) Let me in. And that's the invitation. That's the invitation that God gives us. It's not like a a shy little, you know, like, that's how we treat prayer. Anyone play ding-dong ditch in high school? I did my hockey friends. Yeah. And then you run. And the Lord's saying, don't you leave your post? This is what, if I were to rephrase what the Apostle Paul is saying, he's saying this, Christian soldier, fire at will. Fire at will. Don't you dare. Don't you dare holster that weapon called prayer. You fire at will at all times, in all situations, for all people, with all perseverance. You stand at the door and you knock. That's our heart cry. And that's what we got to be doing, knowing, knowing that this is what Scripture explicitly encourages us to do in our text. And then look at what Jesus says in Luke 5 through 13. Luke 11, 5 through 13. I love this. And Jesus said to him, which of you has a friend who will go to him at at midnight, all times at midnight, and say to him, friend, I need some bread for a friend of mine who has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he'll answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. But I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's a friend, yet because of his impudence, uh, uh, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Because of his audacity, his bold audacity to come with this request, a, a, mar, a seemingly you know, marginal request at that late hour. And look at verse 9. And I tell you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock, knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the, and the one who knocks, it will be open. What, watch this. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I love that last line. It reveals God's heart. God is saying, Don't be shy, don't, don't ding dong ditch me, stand at the door, be persistent in all circumstances, in all situations. Why, why is that God's heart? Because the Holy Spirit is the helper. He wants to invade your life and help you in all circumstances, whether secular or sacred on your commute, at work, at home, at church, on the prayer walk, the Holy Spirit is saying, put me in, right? I, I grew up playing ice hockey and there sh- you'd run in shifts on the fly, like 45 to a minute, on the ice, on the bench on the ice, on the bench. And I think for us in the Christian world is we put God, the Holy Spirit, on the bench by our lack of prayer. Not, not that we can thwart the God's purposes and that he's sovereign, but it, what I'm saying from our perspective is we say, oh, God doesn't care about this. I'm going to, I'm not going to tag him in. And Lord saying, put me every situation, every uh, play, I want to be front and center of that in your life. And then begin to see when you invite God in, he's going to actually move. He's, that's the most, that's the rocket fuel for a praying life is seeing that, oh my gosh, God cares so much that he actually answers prayer. And when you begin to see him do that, as you commit to that out of desperation, or you just go and read that book and it changes your life of praying life, you begin to see God stay true to his word. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you knock, it will be open. So this is the invitation of God. Saying at all times, all kinds of prayer with all pers- perseverance for all types of people. I want you to always be praying, constant close communion with me, so you can be appropriating my power and my presence in every situation you find yourself. In. And lastly, thirdly, we, that's the persistence of prayer. And I think one of the reasons we we, we struggle with the persistence of prayer is because we don't we have a, a a jaded view of God that God doesn't want to be bothered with us. God doesn't want to be bothered with our, our small requests um i this just came to mind and i'm gonna i'm gonna share it. uh jen and i uh we have a lot of massive trees in our backyard and they're really really close to our house and i didn't know what to do because if you have ever taking a tree out it's pretty expensive and so i was praying about it and i started my prayer with this i was like lord i know that these are little these trees in my backyard are twigs like you know like compared to your greatness and what else do you have to worry about like i i was just like man i feel like i was like this is i feel guilty like i shouldn't be praying about this right and Lord, I know I just, this probably isn't important to you, but I just can't make the decision and, and what we should do. And I heard, I believe it was the, the, the still small voice of God say, if it's important to you, it's important to me. If it's important to you, it's important to me. And that blew my mind. I was like, wait, what? You actually care that much? That if it's important to me, it's important to you? That's wild. I thought I was going to get rebuked, right? But he's like, No. I love this. All times, all prayers, in all situations. And yes, be mission critical. And yes, if you're at an impasse and you don't know a decision to make with something simple, pray and see what the Spirit does. The power of prayer. Lastly, the key line we miss uh, that we can overlook is found in verse 18. Look at uh, verse 18. Verse 18 says this. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Ephesians six eighteen. In the Spirit. Now, Paul easily could have just said, praying at all times, like he does in other places. But he says, praying in the Holy Spirit. And the million-dollar question is, well, what in the world does that mean? Is it possible to not pray in the Holy Spirit as a follower of Jesus? Like, what does that mean to pray in the Spirit? And really, simply, praying in the Spirit is not just praying to God, but it's praying with God. It's praying with God, meaning this. In your weakness you ask the Holy Spirit to come and help you pray. There are moments in life where there's so much suffering, there's so much pain that either you're going through or someone who has come to you is um, telling you and you're at a loss for words and your only shot is saying, Holy Spirit, I need your help. And so some people would say that this is uh, praying in tongues and I don't think, I think, sure, I think it could be that and it probably is that, but it isn't only that. It's this idea that when we don't know what to pray, which we should often not know what to pray, and God the Holy Spirit knows far better what we should pray, we slow down and we ask for God's help to pray with him. And that's where our power in our prayer is found. Romans 8, 26-27 says this about the Holy Spirit's role in our weakness and in our praying life. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what, is in, what knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so what do we learn about the Holy Spirit here? The Holy Spirit loves to help us pray. The Holy Spirit, God loves to pray with us. He doesn't want to just have us pray to him, but to pray with him. And, and here's good news is often... Uh, often Christians, the reason, reason we don't pray is we're like, man, I stink at prayer, right? Like, oh, I can't pray good. You know, you, you hear somebody else, you know, just like, man, that person, like, I'm thinking of someone uh, who sits behind me at church. I won't say her name, but there's someone on our prayer team, you listen, to hear and pray, you're like, oh man, you don't even know if you're saved, right? You're like, oh man, like, dang, you know, like that, that, that anointing, that power, that just the words, you know, oh my gosh, right? But here's the beautiful thing is, one of the most effective ways uh, in your praying life that will revolutionize it is when you don't rush to start speaking, but you rush to start asking. Here's a, here's a process. Ask, listen, see what thoughts come to mind, see if any pictures come to mind, see if any names of people you should pray for come to mind, and then begin to pray. And see, and maybe you didn't get anything in the listening part, but as you pray, all of a sudden you're like something, there's like a river, a current that's, that's filling your mouth as you're praying for people. That's what it means to pray in the spirit, is God is our ever-present help in time of need. He's inside of us, right? And this God inside of us has a lot of things that he wants to reveal and, and speak to us. And, and then watch this. The Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ make constant intercession for the saints. Look at Hebrew, uh, Hebrews 7, 23 through 25. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented, they were prevented by death from continuing in office but Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. In Romans eight thirty who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. The accuser comes to accuse us and condemn us and slander us. And Jesus is that high priest who's forever enthroned, who is encouraging, who is interceding, who is helping us. And so therefore, when it comes from me to praying for somebody else, and if I want to know how should I pray for that individual, who else would I run to but the Holy Spirit? Because the Spirit... And the Spirit of Christ, they're, all, they're already interceding for that person. They know what they want to see done in that person's life. So my family, we have this rule for our kids. Otherwise, we would have a Mount Everest of, of cheap plastic toys with our three kids. Um, but uh, the informal rule uh, is you cannot get a, any one of my kids a gift until you run it by the parents. Did someone say amen to that? Amen. Hallelujah, right? How, you want to drop off a meal? Go for it. Uh, you want to drop off some diapers? I'll take the diapers, okay? But don't, like, I know what my kids need, you know? Like, I know what they need, right? And so Jen knows what they need. And there's part of us that would say, hey, come and ask us, and, and, and they've really been on, like, this Paw Patrol kick, and Buddy's been saying Chase is on the case about 100 times, you know, before 10 a.m., and so, like, yeah, like, get him that gift. Don't get him a Ninja Turtle. Get him the Paw Patrol. We, we're there. We're, we're present. We know what kind of virtues we want to instill in our kid, but we also want to love them and, and bless them. So, so how much of a waste of time would it be to throw all these gifts at our kids when you could just come to us? And we say, we know what they, they need. We're with them every day. We know what's best for them, and we, we would love to give them gifts. We would love to instill certain virtues in them and... And, uh, and not just the virtue of consumers. So anyways, so here's the beautiful truth of revolutionizing our praying life is that we don't have to pray alone. Not only do we not have to, to live alone, but when you pray, you're not praying alone. The spirit is there. The spirit is inside of us. And the spirit is, man, just ask, right? And so here's a, hearing, here's a shameless plug. November 4th, November 4th, November 4th, Saturday. Starting at 9 a.m., I think, till about 1 p.m.-ish, give or take an hour, north or south, hearing the voice of God class. Hearing the voice of God class. God the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We at the Transit Church, based upon the Scriptures, believe that, God, that uh, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd, that God still speaks today. Yes, he has spoken uh, uh, authoritatively and sufficiently. And finally, in his word, and that sufficient word says that we should be earnestly desiring the spiritual gifts, especially that we prophesy. So what will revolutionize your life, your entire life, is knowing that God is not silent and He is not distant, but that He is close and wants to just invade every aspect of your life. And then and then, what, these things that seemed impossible to you, of sharing your faith or doing things that you never thought, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're living with communion of, of the Spirit and you begin to see God speak and move in ways you never dared, thought, or imagined, right? And so, November 4th, if you want to learn, a, like, a re- I'm telling you, this is, uh, we did this with um, our leadership and the elders. The, our prayer team did this training, and it will change, it will change your life. It will be a, um, a biblically rooted and based course and seminar on the scriptural basis for keeping constant communion with the Spirit and understanding how God speaks, and then how to deliver things to other people prophetically when you feel like God is is speaking. What is the gift of prophecy? Why do we need it? Okay, so November 4th, and this is what I want to say to you is the effectiveness. There are are story after story after story this year, past couple of years, of people having an impression, people having a dream, and that the the Spirit of God has given them, and then they go and share it. If you were here last week, and I am am wrapping up with this, if you were here last week, um, someone from our prayer team had a word for like three weeks, that was in their bones. That they were, and they, they came to me after, uh, after Jake's message, and they said, hey, I really feel like this needs to be shared. And we talked about it, we prayed about it, and we're like, yeah, th- this should be shared. And, and if you remember the word, it was, it was that there, are, there, there, is, uh, there are, uh, is a parent or are parents here that are really struggling with fear and anxiety about their child's safety, their kid's safety. And um, so if that resonates with you, come forward. That was it, that was it. Um, Someone immediate feedback that we got from that was, From someone in the the congregation was, who didn't like these people didn't know know each other that that was going on was, both parents were traveling, going to be traveling later that week, and the fears and the anxiety had already come into their minds about will their kids be safe physically and spiritually when they're gone, and so that was boom laser like, uh, the spirit interceding saying this word needs to be spoken so that this person comes and they know that I see them I know them I love them and that their kids are going to be all right so hearing the voice of god is going to be uh, an essential class november 4th please if you are free it'll be well 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 worth your time and even if even if you don't believe it and it makes your skin crawl to, to, to have someone say that god still speaks today would you be willing to to shelve that uh that that um how do you say it nicely uh to shelve that criticism or that that fear maybe fear that's what it is to shelve that fear and to say, hey, let, let me come to a space I've never been in before and hear someone biblically explain why the gift of prophecy was given to the church and why it's a blood block gift and why God wants it to continue. Okay, so November 4th, be there. It's gonna be amazing. And this is where I'm gonna conclude. Band, you can come on up. Um, one of the main reasons we don't pray is because we don't believe it changes anything. It is because we don't believe God acts on behalf of our prayers. And the main reason we do pray is we believe God can and very well might act on behalf of our prayers as he has promised in his word to do. And the reason it's hard to see prayer change anything because in a mysterious way, right, we've been talking about the seen, uh, the physical realm and the unseen, the spiritual realm in this sermon series, right, against in the heavenly places, against spiritual forces of darkness. So prayer isn't this religious rote exercise. It's actually us physically engaging in the unseen realm in a realm we can't see and asking the unseen god to move in that realm on our behalf in this situation in our physical seen world right and there's this beautiful story in daniel 10 daniel 10 in 2020 we preached through the book of daniel which wasn't planned uh which was planned but it wasn't planned because we knew 2020 was gonna be crazy anyways if anyways that was a great sermon series in 2020 and uh Daniel 10 has just really resonated in my heart, and it's been something that has instilled faith that actually prayer changes things. And so the prophet Daniel, in Daniel 10, it says that he began to fast, and he began to pray for 21 days. So all we know is that in the seen, physical realm, our boy just ain't eating, and he's just praying, okay? Okay? And then an angel appears to the prophet Daniel. And this is what this angel says happened when Daniel prayed. And I'm sharing this to instill faith in us that our prayers matter. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, this angel, "O oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. Don't you love that? Man greatly loved. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And then he said to me, fear not, Daniel. Watch this, watch this. For from the first day, the first day that you set your heart to understand and you humbled yourself before your God. Prayer is humility. Prayer is humbling ourselves before God. Saying, God, we're desperate for you. We need you. If we want to see your kingdom come, we cannot do it without you, God. We need you humbling yourself before god your words have been heard your prayers haven't fallen on deaf ears and i have come because of your words this angel is saying to daniel i am here because you prayed." it meaning the implication we don't have to do some exegetical gymnastics gymnastics to excuse like to say whatever the implication is if daniel didn't fast and pray he wouldn't have had this angelic visitation okay i am here i have come because of your words now watch this and again, this is in the context of Ephesians 6, rulers, authorities, powers, dominions, principalities over this present darkness. The prince of the kingdom of Persia, that's a demonic evil principality, withstood me for 21 days. Okay, so this angel gets loose from heaven. I don't know how this works, but the angel's saying it. I'm not. Read your Bibles. And he says this. He says, you prayed, I came, and then that principality over that region, the prince of Persia and I were, I don't know, like I said, we're duking it out, jiu-jitsu. Like, I don't even know how that played out. But for 21 days, there was war in the heavenly places, so much so that the, the, the archangel Michael had to come. But watch this. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. This is wild. This is wild. But it's all happening in the unseen, right? And came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. So I want to leave us with just that picture, that encouragement of what if, as we begin to cry out for loved ones that don't know Jesus, what if things in the unseen realm begin to move? What if they do? What if when we go on the prayer walk this afternoon and we just begin to, yes, we're gonna have spiritual conversations with people, but in between those, we're gonna be crying out for our community, for our neighborhood, that the gospel will break in, that believers will be part. Of. What if things begin to shift in the heavenly places, right? This is the picture given to us. And so what I wanna do now is I want to go uh, before communion is just to, just to give you guys the opportunity to pray. So let's bow our heads in prayer and then I'll, I'll lead us in communion. Father, would you begin to heal hearts that don't feel worthy to pray, that don't feel worthy um, to approach you because of the shame and the guilt of their sin? We're about to celebrate the fact, communion, the Lord's Supper, Jesus, that you broke your body and shed your blood so that we could be cleansed from all unrighteousness, washed clean, so that we now can come boldly to the throne of grace. We don't have to come uh, in fear. We don't have to come shy. We don't have to come uh, apologizing that we're coming to you, God. But Jesus, you came to die and to give your life as a ransom for many so that we could keep constant close communion with you. And it grieves your heart that our Uh, shame and our accusations of ourselves and our condemnation would keep us from you when you died to give us that gift. So would you do that, Holy Spirit? Remind us today that we're washed clean. The breastplate of righteousness is your righteousness given to us. And so thank you, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move in in our minds, move in our hearts, and draw us close to you this week. Draw us close to you. Draw us close to you, God. Help us to see, God, your heart is not against us. Your heart is for us. That you are radically for us. And if you are for us, who can be against us? What can come against us? And so, Lord, I just bless the work that you're doing in this room today, and I pray it would lead to everlasting life change, God. That we see you are a God who is not perpetually angry at us and, and ready to yell at us and slam the door in our face, but you are a God who tells us to ask and to seek and to knock, because you are a God of love and of goodness and of kindness, and you want to help us. And so we cry out to you today for help. In Jesus' name, amen.